1: New new year <laughs> new new start oh chat shit get banged Welcome to the first Failed Critics Podcast of 2016, I'm Steve Norman, I'm joined by Owen Hughes, hello, and Paul Field,
2: evening Steve, evening Owen,
1: hello, welcome back,
2: yeah good, good, good to be back, although yeah. I, I, wasn't, I haven't gone that long, although um, we did this really great podcast that uh, you weren't invited to Owen, so uh, started, yeah, started
1: from my own podcast, the new Starship Shocking. Troopers film we did I think, yeah, yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, star, 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 something. No, Star how Wars, the, which opens...
2: Quickly, sorry buddy, how are the numbers on the uh, Star Wars podcast compared to the ones that you're on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's <laughs> not go there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully everyone enjoyed the Star Wars special, the Christmas special, the end of year special, and we will make 2016 as special as we possibly can for you. We'll be kicking it off with reviews of the Danish girl Joy and...
0: Night of Cups. Night of
1: Cups. Yes, yeah. different name to what's in the agenda. Um, but we'll go... It's it's a film about cups, I believe. It's a documentary. Um, a documentary but, about cups at night. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're back to the quiz as well. Owen apparently hated my last quiz. Yeah, you
0: you don't remember it, but it was just a utter travesty. Well, the Christmas special.
1: Well, I'm winning 2-0. If I win, Owen's watching something terrible. And as we're reviewing Joy, which is a biopic, I've got the names of some biopics here, uh, and you need to tell me who they are about, um, or the main focus, because I'll probably be about more than one person. Um, so, for example, if I said Gandhi, Paul, the answer would be... What? Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well Sorry, done, Paul. If you said,
2: you know, <laughs> sand-bearing said... bloke in a, in a, with a sheet wrapped round him, then I would have gone Oh, I was,
1: do, I, was, I was doing a joke because the other films aren't these people's names, but that was like an, that was an easy one. You know, if I was to say Lawrence of Arabia, the film's going to be Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Yeah.
0: I fancy my chances in this one, I'll be honest. Oh, I just... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. So, anyway, the first one in the quiz is best. Owen, George yes, Best. There we go. An easy one to start with. Um, next up is Catch Me If You Can.
0: Oh, man. I don't know the
1: guy's name.
2: Um, Yeah, the pilot guy, isn't
0: it? It's uh, I don't know. I've no idea what his real name is. Paul?
1: Uh, I've got a clue, buddy. It's Frank Abagnale. Ah, yes. Okay, a bit of an easier one now. The Social Network. Mark Zuckerberg. (sighs) Yeah, Yeah. just one all. Uh, Next up, Walk the Line. Oh. Uh, Shit. Shit. Uh, Owen. Johnny Cash? You are correct, Owen. It's yes. 2-1 to Owen with two left. Oh. Uh, next up is the King's Speech. Uh, King George V? No. Oh, bollocks. What's George, George, George? George. III? Fourth. Fourth. No. Seventh. No. <laughs> Sixth. Yes, Owen. George okay. And finally, although Owen has now won with a 3-1 lead, downfall.
0: Oh, Hitler.
1: That's correct. Uh, 4-1 to Owen, so he uh, so 2-1 overall to me now, and Owen keeps the wolf from the door for at least another week. The <laughs> Columbo-shaped wolf, the Columbo-shaped wolf. <laughs> it better not be a Columbo film
0: again. It just better not be, that's all I'm saying.
1: I don't know what it's going to be, to be honest, but I, I can't wait to find out. Uh, so, yes, on to the news, and first up, Star Wars is set to break avatar's box office record of 2.1 billion dollars.
0: Yeah, internationally is it's higher than that as well, so it's I mean it's already up to one nearly one and a half billion dollars internationally in total mm. from its box office, which is incredible. It's a huge amount of money in such a short amount of time. I think Jurassic World was the highest grossing film last year and that took about 13 days to get a billion dollars and Star Wars is just smashing past that. I mean, At incredible it,
1: speed. It was always going to happen, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the amount it took in Britain alone is staggering. You know, £100 million in Britain.
2: Yeah. Well, I was reading in Britain. The Independent today, I know that's a load of right-on toss in there, but it said that um, if you adjust for inflation, it's, it's only done 50% of the business that the original Star Wars did. Well,
0: hmm. it's only been out for...
2: Oh, yeah, I know. It's still got a way to go, weeks. but it's got a way to go. Well yes I mean that's
0: that's true but it's still it's still probably going to beat it eventually
1: maybe I think we'll it's see. on course to I mean Star Star this Star Wars film is always going to break all the records I think there's no doubt about it it's it's so long without a Star Wars film so long without a good Star Wars film and everyone knows the the cultural force the phenomenon that Star Wars is
2: I hope it does do really well because it means we'll get you know they'll keep making more
1: Plus, it's all, like, IMAX and, and things like that, and 3D, so the tickets are more expensive. Like, more people will see it in IMAX than probably any other film because of because of what kind of what, – what not what kind of film it is, but what film it is. So it's more expensive tickets. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Good. Still got some way to go, though, for
0: Avatar, which is the highest-grossing film of all time.
1: Uh, anyway, that, that's, that's Star Wars. Uh, we've also got the uh, first awards ceremony of 2016, Owen.
0: Yeah, um, the Critics Award. So it's basically the 1st of 2016. Might give us an idea of how the Oscars will head, at least in terms of nominations anyway, which are due to be announced in a couple of weeks' time, I think, the nominations for that. But we have Best Picture went to Spotlight. Paul, did that cross your radar no, it's, before the not awards?
2: Not, not at all. It's a... a um grim looking thing isn't it it's a it's about yes. ch- child sex abuse in the catholic church and how uh, think it was the boston globe exposed it so mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm curious i want to see it but um yeah no it's not come across my radar until you until you mentioned it today
0: yeah i've seen the, i've only seen the trailers for it and i am looking forward to it because i think it sounds like my sort of, particularly minute as i'm studying journalism and i thought oh as soon as i saw the trailer for it i thought i'd better remember that one and mark ruffalo's in it keep Ma- michael keaton who is on a bit of a revival at the minute, mm-hmm. which is great because we all love Michael Michael Keaton, of course. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad to see it sort of picked up an award, which hopefully is a little bit of an indicator of quality. But we'll come on to that, I'm sure, when we eventually get to, to the Oscar season, the full into the Oscar season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I looked at some of the others, the best actress and best actor. I've actually seen both of those. And you know mm-hmm. what? I'd probably agree with them, which is Charlotte Rampling for 45 years and Michael B. Jordan for Creed.
0: Yeah. And, well, speaking of Creed, Sylvester Stallone picked up a nomination, I believe, for Best Supporting Actor. Didn't win, but, uh, you know, I'm happy to see him picking up nominations again for awards because uh, I still think he's a really underrated actor and not just sort of Rambo.
2: Yeah, you no, know, he's some, good. In some people want really him good. off as. Yeah. His face um, looks like a car crash at the moment, though. Jesus Oof.
0: <laughs> um, he ain't, best ain't aging actor... well, that boy. Well, until he takes his top off and then he's just all muscle again, which is weird. Because he's how old is he now? Is he sixty-five? It's like, it's like, like
2: an action man body with a sprout for a head, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is sort of fitting. Leftover sprites at this time of, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But best supporting actor actually went to Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies,
2: which I've also seen, which was really good.
0: Did you really like that?
2: Really liked it. Wow. Yeah.
0: You didn't do too well in uh, fail critics awards, Mark Rylance.
2: It's, I I love a spy drama, me, and it was and you know, but and there's there's a few about at the moment. You've got um, Deutschland '83, mm-hmm. um, which I binge watched the whole thing, and I thought it was really good fun. It's a little bit lightweight, but really good fun. I loved all the music from the '80s as well.
0: That's on uh, Channel Four, right? At the yep.
2: Yeah. They've been plugging that like mad.
0: Yeah, been crazy. Yeah, but best director went to Todd Haynes, Carol, which actually did do quite well in our Failed Critics Awards for anybody who listened to that episode. But,
2: um, yeah. I could I mean five the, they, votes for that in Japanese for all the good it did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, best non-fiction film actually went to Amy, the documentary Amy. No, I missed that. But this is a bit of a spoiler because it's coming up at the end of the podcast again as my recommendation this week. Because I haven't seen it, but it's on TV. But Paul, you're a big documentary fan.
2: Yes. What, what about Amy? Was that a deserving winner for best non-fiction? Do you know what? It's just not for me. I've not seen it. I have no interest in it. I couldn't stand her at the time. And, I'm, you know, I'm it's, I'm sure it's a tragedy that she died, but not for me it wasn't. Like, it's just, just so far out of my comfort zone. It just, no. Oh really? Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, that surprises me. But documentaries, though, like I say, they're your bag, aren't they? They what, are. What's happening on the next episode of Underground Nights then?
2: We are going pretty kind of documentary crazy. Um, and one that I know that you've started watching, Steve has been watching, um, Making a Murderer.
1: Well, mm. we'll be we'll be covering that in in what we've been watching. So we won't go into much now. But uh, yeah, that does seem to be a, a bit of a phenomenon at the moment.
2: Well, James manager, my co-host on Underground Nights, is obsessed at the moment. He just non-stop tweeting about stuff. So I don't <laughs> want to... But, you know, you might want to avoid those because they can be a bit spoilerish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so in what we've been watching, uh, we take a look at the films that we've seen in the last week or so that aren't necessarily new releases. Um, Owen, in the run-up to the release of The Hateful Eight, you've been getting your fill of westerns. Yeah. Well, I, st- I watched a couple
0: before voting in the end-of-year awards. I watched The Salvation and Slow West and I liked both of them. And then I thought I'd sort of continued it whilst we're in the build-up to The Hateful Eight. So, Paul, please don't spoil The Hateful Eight for me. But was it any good? Because I know you've seen it. Mm.
2: Okay. All it was okay. It was okay? It felt like a stage play.
0: Because mm. it's all basically in one cabin, isn't it? Yeah. Apart which, from, like, do they have flashbacks and stuff?
2: Well, I was hyped for all the 70mm stuff, with all the snow <laughs> and the scenery. I thought, this is going to be awesome. But it's all in one location, mm. pretty much.
0: And it wasn't any good then, or was it just...
2: It's just lots of fancy dialogue with a with a with a set cast and a set location. I mean, you know, Tarantino, yeah,
0: basically. yeah, mm.
2: it wasn't what I was hoping for.
0: Okay, well, I'm still kind of looking forward to it because I loved Django. I really liked Django, his last film. Um, in fact, I'd probably put Django just below Pulp Fiction as like my favourite Tarantino film. So him doing another western, I'm all for that. So, yeah, so I carried on watching more westerns uh, after Salvation and Slow West. I watched The Homesman, which I don't really know exactly what I was expecting. I think basically it looked like a schmaltzy by the numbers Hollywood dramatisation with Tommy Lee Jones directing and starring and then Hilary Swank. And I just thought "Mm, this is going to be just every kind of Hollywood style drama that you come to expect. And actually, uh, I guess it is in a way that it ticks all those boxes of different things that you would expect to see in a Western like this. So particularly one it's sort of a man and a woman, there's kind of like a, not quite a romance between them, but there's, there's a connection between the two of them as they travel across the West, taking a group of mad women to a church. But it's also really a lot darker than than perhaps I expected it to do to to, to go. Um, there's one particularly bleak scene in it um, around three quarters of the way in, which was a twist on what they were going to do with the characters, and it 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 took me by surprise. And actually, it made me like the film a little bit more than I already liked it. I, I was also surprised how much I was enjoying it. I was absolutely stuck into it, thoroughly engrossed and. Yeah, I, I thought The Homesman was was fantastic. So afterwards, of course, I had to watch another Western, and I went for something called Meek's Cut-Off. Have either of you seen Meek's Cut-Off before or heard of it? No. It one where, the,
2: where they take that wagon all the way across the prairies and all the kind of mishaps yeah. along the way. Yeah, OK, yeah. A, long, a while yeah. ago, but I have seen it.
0: Yeah. Did you? What did you think of that? Because I will be honest, before I even start reviewing it, I really struggled in the first 10 minutes. I was prepared to switch it off. It's a bit dry.
2: Anything?
0: Oh, it is so dry. Apparently, this is what the director Kelly Reichardt. I think that's how you pronounce the name Reichardt. Um, she's kind of known for doing that. She's she makes quite arty, difficult to get into films. They're very uncompromising. They they're not very accessible to an audience straight away. And I felt like I was really having to to work hard to think about what was going on and to be bothered about it like there's a scene in it where michelle williams who is who's brilliant anyway she's a she's a great actress but in this there's just like she's firing a gun into the air and then she reloads it but because it's set in 1845 it takes a fucking ages to reload it and then she shoots it in the air again and then she stops and then she has to reload it again and it takes fucking ages and then she points it into the air and fires it again and i was thinking these these aren't good scenes i don't need to see this have have they not heard of sequencing can they not just like here she is. She's got the gun. Here's a close up of her loading it. Here's another scene of her firing it and just get it over with in like 12 seconds. But no, it took ages. And I thought, I'm not going to enjoy this film. And then like after a, a little while, it kind of clicks. And there's a bit with um, the Indian. That's all he's credited as is the Indian. who's kind of following them through the early part of the film. And eventually they catch him because they're in desperate like need of water and they're lost. And it becomes about these different, like, moral dilemmas. What do they do with him? Is he actually leaving clues for other, like, Native Americans who are going to come and ambush them? Or, you know, what's what do they do with him? Is he actually trying to yeah, help there's them? There's
2: a lot of paranoia, isn't there?
0: There's lots. It's just really good drama. It was really good. I, w- I was gripped, and I just thought it kind of stuttered to an end, and it didn't really fulfil what I thought it would do with the, the final part of the movie. Um, without trying to sort of explain what actually happens, but it—I don't think I quite understood the end. It, I'll put it that way. But otherwise, it was—it was fantastic. I really, really liked the film Meeks Cut Off uh, from 2010. But also after that, I watched a, a classic that I'd never seen before from 1969: Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I don't think I've really got to say too much about that. But it's Paul Newman as Butch Cassidy, Robert Redford as the Sundance Kid. It was just a joy to watch that film. There were, There's perhaps one too many photo montage scenes to move things along. But it was just a lot of fun. Really enjoyable. Paul Newman and Robert Redford are just fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. And it was just, it was great. And I actually think I preferred it to The Wild Bunch, which was released at the same time, about the same, same kind of characters. And I think that one was a bit boring compared to this. This was just a nice sort of adventure-y type western with a lot of humour. It was good. So there you go. I watched those th- those three westerns in the build up to the Hateful Eight, and it's probably going to be pointless because the Hateful Eight is nothing like any of them.
1: But no, well, yeah. There we go. Um, next thing we're going to be talking about is the new Netflix documentary, the second original documentary series. a Series, um, not just a one-off um, produced by Netflix. They did something called the chef's table um and that is that is, that's what according to wikipedia their first documentary series Netflix just, was, was, was chef's table isn't that more like um
0: a reality type i don't show. know
1: i'm just reading okay I don't, do it, I don't do it often let's make the most of it uh, and that is making a murderer which is which is um being seen by me in part and paul and owen have you seen any of this I've seen the first three episodes, which is the same as what I've seen. I think Paul's seen more. <laughs> well, um, I've
2: seen the whole thing. Yeah, it's this before, is a hot potato right now, but, isn't it? Well, yeah.
1: Before it. we talk about yeah. the program itself, it, everyone is watching it, aren't they? And I know people who have just watched watched it all in one or two sittings, just binged it. Because it's ten episodes, isn't it?
0: Spent yeah. ten hours. Matt yeah. from uh, from the podcast was on here the end of year awards he watched the whole thing in one evening yeah i think he just stuck it on started watching it and then was up till like the early hours of the morning just couldn't stop
2: because yeah i went to bed i I got into bed started watching it went to sleep woke up watched the rest so (laughs) and my attention span is it ain't great so if you if you've not seen it yet you need to get on and get on there and watch it it's really
1: good I put it on Netflix, my girlfriend was staying with me over New Year, and whichever night it was, the one you know, one of the nights before or after when we didn't go out, just looking for something on Netflix, and I know loads of people were talking about it, I didn't really know anything about it. And I just said, oh, loads of people are talking about it, should we watch it? And she's well, yeah, all right. And well, Steve, before...
2: sorry, mate, you, you've put yeah. your bird, you're in bed, you're looking to, for something to watch.
1: Oh, no, I'm not in bed. This you did is just, go for
2: just... the Japanese <laughs> monkey porn, you went for a thing called Making a Murderer.
1: yeah. Okay, just you,
0: checking. You you like some weird shit, Paul. I'm just going gonna... well, mean, <laughs> to... Th- th- that's the first thing that comes to mind is Japanese monkey porn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, essentially just, it might be just doing what my dad said. He watches a lot of the CSI-type programs and he just said he's looking for the perfect way to get rid of my mum and no one to know. <laughs> so maybe that's just what I'm doing subconsciously. Uh, but no, you know, she was sort of, because quite often she'll fall asleep during a film. So I said to her about halfway through the first episode, "Are you enjoying this?" And she went, just went, "Shh, all right." Okay. <laughs> no. And then okay. and then I wanted to watch like another two straight after it. So you know, it, it it does get you hooked, doesn't it? Quite quick. It does slow burn. I think the first first one until kind of the last third of the episode, and then it really kind of kicks on. What's it What's it about then, Steve? Well, what, it's, what about, it's is... about it's about a guy called it's called Stephen Avery, and he's from. Um, uh, I think Wisconsin in America, a place called uh is it Mutt- Manitowoc County? um County, and he was sent to prison for over a day, de- well over a decade, I think, originally for for sexual assault and attempted murder. But he was he was later found innocent of that, and it was apparent that the uh, local police department had, had set him up essentially. For, for varying reasons and then he was later after his release accused and tried for murder of another or, 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 or murder of another person uh, which he well I won't give anything away but you know that's 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 what mm-hmm. it is so it, it kind of starts on his his release from from prison for the for the crimes he was tried for in and prison for incorrectly and, and kind of what happened there and then moves into the other case as well quite quite swiftly you know into in the next Mm -hmm. episode yeah because it was the first
0: like uh, there was put you made just then actually about the the first episode in that you you it takes you a little while to to get it and i I spent probably like the first 45 minutes Mm. of making a murderer in the very first episode going how have they how have they turned this into a tv series how is this a whole 10 hour yeah and then it was just that final sort of minute perhaps even the last 20 seconds where it just says, and then this. And you go, what? Yeah. Hell well, I, mean, the fuck?
1: I mean, like, in yeah, our, did, our, Guys, sorry, in our... but
2: did you not cl- click that nearly all of the conversations with him weren't with him, they were via recorded telephone calls? Did, no, you did twig that in the first episode, so surely that must have told you something was amiss, otherwise he'd have been in front of the camera.
1: But yeah, but he, he was just was, wasn't really thinking, I mean... Like in, in our football team's group chat, like we've been, those few people have watched it, and a few people said, Well, our first episode wasn't really that into it, I wasn't really paying attention. No, pay attention because you'll be hooked by the second episode, but you've got to stick out the first one and pay hmm. attention to it and pay attention to all the little details and all the little things going on. Well, it
0: reminded me a lot of. Um,
1: have, have either
0: of you listened to Serial? No, I've, I've heard no. about
2: it. I
1: keep uh,
0: hearing
2: it, but no, I'm not.
0: Okay, because Serial is a similar true crime story that's spread over a series of episodes. And it also follows a case, but Serial follows, rather than like, because this was made a while back, wasn't it? They filmed it over, they started filming it in the 90s, I think. They yeah, got it took all the footage 10 years it. to film this. 10 years to film it, yeah, exactly. Whereas Serial is like, right now, it was a case that was ongoing. They were investigating it as they were also recording episodes about this guy who'd been sent to prison. And he was claiming he was innocent, and it also, in a similar kind of way, has involvement with the Innocence Project, and sort of they speak to him behind bars because that's where he is at the time. And see, so, so yeah, so Serial reminded me, uh, sorry, Making a Murderer reminded me a lot of Serial, so I'm gonna sort of say if you've if you've enjoyed Making a Murderer and haven't listened to Serial, that should be your next step. The first season of Serial, anyway, is just. Uh, just In the same way, it's just riveting because you just want to know more. The more information that gets revealed, the more interested in what happens next you are, um, but, I mean, which is what I've got like from the first three episodes of this. It's like, I want to know more. I want to see what happens next.
1: I mean, part part of the beauty of this documentary or series, and I suppose probably serials similar, is, is another similar documentaries that work in the same way. You're trying to work out in your own head or discuss with the people you watch it with or talk about it with what's happened, if so-and-so is innocent or who is guilty or how something got where it did, and you're trying to work it out as it's going, because unless you... The worst thing you could probably do is watch the first couple of episodes, be really gripped and into it, but then go and Wikipedia the whole the whole thing.
0: Yeah, there's that Never temptation. That, ever.
1: Yeah, But, like you know, you can watch it as, it as the series goes along and you can try and figure out what's going on and see if you can second guess everything and work out whose motives are what and why things are being done and if certain people are innocent or guilty and and all that Mm. kind of thing but you it is i mean it is strange how absorbing this is and and how much you know how how it's become so highly rated
2: it reminds me in a way of sort of the paradise lost series which i got caught up in again these guys by the there were three films filmed over a similar time period if not longer and um i i remember getting caught up in it and you know these guys were still in prison and i was you know online and signing the petitions and banging the drum and and that day when they finally got released you know i actually celebrated because i was so caught up in this thing and it and it affected me so much and and i you know and this may well go down the same road i I just think it's incredible
1: and just more evidence of of netflix doing great things great things really Uh, in 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 original content forget that adam sandler movie they did because that's um not not very good is it owen (laughs) i hated it Um, i turned it (laughs) off but we don't need to go there paul
0: (laughs) yeah you made 20 minutes of it i think that's a
1: tangent yeah (laughs) but netflix are producing a lot obviously we know they're producing a lot of their own content but a lot of it is 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 good if not better then just than just normal tv it, yeah in some ways it, it, I mean, you look at say daredevil and i think jessica jones is being really well received so you you take that and then you look at kind of the equivalent that's been put on tv which is which is agents of shield which, which is better daredevil or agents of shield well yeah there's no contest yeah there?
2: The, you look at, NBC look at and stuff have their hands tied though because they can't. They're not allowed to have any swearing. They're not allowed to have any sex. They're not. It, it's a it's a slightly different beast. You're comparing apples and orange and oranges in a way in, but, in terms of the network and the delivery.
1: Or and you look as well say something that uh, Beast of No Nation compared to some films that are coming out of a similar type. And uh, Beast of No Nation wasn't the best film ever, but it was certainly good. And then there's films in the cinema that are absolute gubbins. And you think, well, why hasn't, obviously Netflix have got into this, but there's obviously a script and a thingy and a whatever kicking about and that's gone to Netflix and Netflix have done it. They're, uh, they're, well, there's, a,
0: there's also, I mean, sorry to get a bit Bernard Wright on as well, but with like Beasts of No Nation, if, what other studio, major studio in America would produce a film of that scale and have no white people in it? I know it's set in Africa. But they just wouldn't. There's 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 a chance that's been taken there by Netflix. And um, I think it's working for them. They're obviously still new to the whole world of film. And, you know, they've got masses of regions to cater for. Uh, you know, they cover everything from Australia to America to Europe to South America. They've just started in Japan as well now. Um, some weird, weird shit on Netflix Japan. But, you know, there's like... They they have a little bit more room to do what they want to do or at least to give people who are quite creative the opportunity to do what they want to do without being bound to things like Paul says, like restrictions on um, what can go out at what sort of time of day, when the best time of day to put something out is. Um, because, you know, they could just bung it all onto the, their service mm. and people will sign up to watch but it whenever they want to watch it's it. It's also
1: justifying having a video on-demand service and making you kind of pick Netflix. I know Amazon Prime are doing some of their own original content. This would be anywhere near what Netflix are putting out. And you just think, you know, I'd pay something like six ninety nine for Netflix a month. You just think, for what I'm getting? And now they're putting in their own. So it's not just there's films and TV shows and documentaries that have been made by other people. They're doing their own things now, so I'm getting brand new content, exclusive for seven pound a month. It's just well, just mate, it's the a price. tenth
2: of the price of Sky. Yeah, yeah. I never watch mm-hmm. Sky. I I pay God knows what for it. Nobody ever watches it. No, Somebody I've Somebody asked I've... me in the office today. Go, oh, Christmas telly was a bit crap, wasn't it? And I went. Uh, Don't know. Christmas <laughs> telly. Oh yeah, I did. I watched I watched an episode of Game On. On BBC <laughs> Scotland on New Year's Eve that I hadn't seen before, and that wow. was it. That genuinely, that was the only Christmas TV I watched. I
1: have barely watched any. I watched I watched EastEnders because the girlfriend likes it, and, and Christmas EastEnders. Well, yeah, you know, Christmas EastEnders is always great, and Danny Dyer was front and centre this year, and that's it. I didn't even watch the the, the Peter Pan, but our work was in where i work was featured mm. in it and they done all the filming well not all the filming it was on screen for about two minutes and they filmed there for about two days but um yeah i didn't even watch but, that and i had an attachment to it
0: well bbc are also following because obviously today there's also like a little bit more information about this this new bbc online channel that's come out. you know they're scrapping bbc3 mm. yeah, they've they released a new logo
2: fucking see bbc3 yeah. what a shit
1: Got, it was so good. It was such a good idea to start with. They've, and then they've, lost, just... they've lost their repeats of Family Guy to I E 2 now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was um, a shame. No, I don't really watch Family Guy anymore. They, but when it started out, when it was I think BBC Choice before it was BBC Three or something like that, and then it was you know they they were giving people like um, Adam and Joe had a, a show that was on there. Um, they they started things like um, regardless of your opinion, but stuff like Little Britain started out on there, and
1: I I think the first series of Little Britain was alright. I I, I thought that Gavin, was quite funny. I think Gavin and Stacey started. Gavin and TV. Stacey, yeah exactly. And now it's just repeats of Don't Tell the Bride.
0: Yeah, that's it. And it was started out as an opportunity to try and new and slog marry a void. <laughs> and then yeah, it just descends into this lowest common denominator repetitive shite. That nobody's interested in. No. So it's you know fair enough. They've seen that it's it's not working. Scrapped it, and now they're going to try something new, which is what the BBC should be doing, and move into an online channel. Well, the danger of us becoming
1: repetitive shite. Well, what have you seen?
2: I've seen a couple of small documentaries. That one I think might have had, might have a little bit of Oscar buzz. I'm not sure, but um, the first one is called The Russian Woodpecker, which sounds really really dull, but it's it's a a debut feature from a guy, and I'm going to murder all the names. His name's uh, Chad Gracia, and doesn't it's,
1: sound very Russian or woodpeckerish, but <laughs>
2: it's 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 a real strange one. It's an investigation into the Chernobyl disaster. Um, it follows uh, the story of this artist, and I use that term loosely because for me, right, if you can't draw a nice bowl of fruit, you're not an artist, right? If you wrap yourself in polythene, <laughs> and stick a cucumber in your ass and film it in black and white. That's not art, right? <clears throat> but this guy decides to go on and, and, and make a film. He's obsessed with Chernobyl. And the Russian woodpecker is actually a, a radar array, this huge fucking metal monstrosity a few miles from where Chernobyl is. And it was built during the Cold War as a, a, a radar, which can see uh, beyond the curvature of the Earth something to with bouncing a signal but you know but <laughs> anyway he gets this idea that this huge array is somehow linked to uh, chernobyl blowing up in the ukraine and you know what he starts to join the dots this guy even though he looks a bit of a dingbat and it all sounds a bit conspiracy um i i don't want to say too much because it's one of those ones where as with many documentaries of this ilk it's really easy to spoil so I can absolutely recommend it because it's a lot. It, it, I, I want to say fun because of, but it's not, it isn't, it isn't. Obviously, the subject matter is really kind of bleak and you know, all these people died. It was a horrific catastrophe. But to be able to kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, pin how this happened to something unconnected to anyone else is really clever. And, and he may well convince a few people. It's you should watch it and make up your own mind. Um, the second one I watched is, uh, this is a really, if you thought that was strange, this is a documentary called finders keepers and it's a custody battle over a leg. (laughs) Right. Okay. This guy, John Wood, he goes up in a plane with his dad and his brothers and they're larking about and, uh, crashes the plane. His dad dies This guy, John, loses his leg. So he goes into rehab, gets a new leg. He has his old leg mummified. And, oh, and if you lost your leg and decided not to have it incinerated, Mm -hmm. if you brought it home with you, where would you keep it?
0: I would wear a really big trench coat and just keep it so I've got three legs at the bottom.
2: Cool. uh, Steve, what would you do with your amputated leg if you brought it home?
1: I would put it at the bottom, like the curtains go all the way to just above below the floor, mm-hmm. like just above the floor. So I would put <laughs> it behind the curtain, so people <laughs> who come round would always think there's a one-legged man the curtain.
2: Right. No, he, he didn't go with either of those options. What was he a did dickhead then? Obviously. Well, clearly, because he decided to keep it in a sort of barbecue smoker in the garage. He then moved that into a lockup when he moved, and forgot to pay the bill.
1: Why would you hide it though? If you're gonna, if you're gonna do that to your leg, if you're gonna mummify your own leg, you have it. People can see it, or at least you can see it. It's on. You put it on display somewhere, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go through all that effort to keep your amputated leg or the cap, not the cap of I don't know. your your limb that's come off your body. And you're (laughs) going to make all that effort to keep it and not just say to them, bin that or give it to some medical students to chop up and look at maligaments or whatever. You're going to display it. You're going to put it on the wall or something, aren't you?
2: Yeah. If you then had your leg in a barbecue and you put it in a storage locker, if you forget to pay the bill... Now, we've all seen this because storage hunters turn up.
1: The actual programme.
2: No, but those kinds of people... (laughs) <laughs> and so, somebody bought the barbecue from his unpaid storage locker. <clears throat> and the guy who bought it is the world's most stupid hillbilly called Shannon Wisnant. I don't want to compare him to the guy from uh, King of Kong because he was just nasty. This mm. guy is just a fucking moron. He, uh, But he'll do anything for a pound note. Literally anything. He's the most opportunistic person I think I've ever seen committed to screen and he finds the leg and he he ends up being on the news and then he starts then he has like t-shirts made that he's the man who found the leg in a smoker it, it, it's just bizarre he puts up he starts selling tickets for people to come in and see the leg found in the barbecue smoker and it's just bizarre
0: he doesn't say that stupid i wish i could make money by getting people to look at a leg Wait, That's pretty ingenious. Yeah,
2: but who's, who are these people? Who Paul said, Do you know what, kids? Let's go for an outing. I know. Let's go to that shed where the bloke's got a leg. You <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what anyway, I mean. He saw an opportunity. He took it. He's the, got a bit of business know, sense.
2: The leg ends up going to a funeral home, right? And where they keep it. The guy's still trying to sell tickets to see the smoker where the leg used to be. <laughs> He's selling T-shirts. He, right. He, The guy's a fucking idiot. He ain't making any money. He then tries to get the leg back because he's got a receipt. (laughs) (laughs) And which kind of court would you go to? Well, you go to one of those Judge Judy courts on TV. It it just gets worse and worse, mate. If this, I do love a kind of really dingbat, redneck, human interest documentary, which is pretty frivolous, to be fair. Um, but it 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 kind of tells you a lot about the 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 two the two main guys John Wood and, and Shannon Whistnant. One being a you know drug addle twat and the other one being a redneck twat. Um, but yeah, really really interesting and really kind of quite funny. So I can highly recommend that as well. At what what
0: point in the story did they start filming? I mean, when did the documentary crew come along?
2: I think when he found the leg and it was on the news.
0: And they just came along to yeah, document the him. the
2: documentary crew, they they traced back who the original owner was. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, and and then it kind of all snowballed from there because this the guy Shannon Wisnan is, a, he is desperately obsessed to be famous uh-huh. and to make some money from this. He even ends up on a reality show because of it and stuff. It's just, yeah. But <laughs> again, there's. I know I've kind of not spoiled it, but I've kind of gone into a little bit of detail here. But there's so much more, and if you if you want to see one of the world's biggest idiots on the screen, then Shannon Wisnan is definitely it.
1: Time now for us to review some new releases. Uh, we're going to be looking at Knight of Cups, Joy, and the Danish Girl um paul has seen night of cups why don't you tell us all about that one?
2: Oh, where to start um i watched <laughs> this on uh, on on new year's eve it's a two hour experimental film is that set your alarm bells ringing yet steve the words uh-huh. experimental and film
1: so two hours scared me
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> this might very well be your worst nightmare let's start with the cast right you've got christian bale kate blanchett natalie portman you've got brian dennehy antonio banderas ryan o'neill ben kingsley you've got proper a list and you've got loads of other people in there from you know like nick kroll pops up from from the league and there is a lot of famous people in this film there's cameos all over the place that's the good news the bad news is it's two hours of christian bale walking around los angeles and he whispers a monologue over various random situations and scenarios that he's transported into sometimes the people around him acknowledge him sometimes they don't so basically he's tripping balls for 2 hours and that's it there's no narrative there's no plot there's no it doesn't make any sense it's it's very very pretty and very very arty but would I ever want to see it again? No. I mean, it's Terrence Malick. You know kind yeah. of what you're going to be getting into. Um, although saying that he, you know, back to the thin red line, I really like that. There's a there's meat mm-hmm. there. There's a story. There's a narrative. This is just really offensive, arty bollocks.
0: Well, look at the last three films he's done then: Night of Cups, To the Wonder and Tree of Life. Yep. I mean, uh, they're probably his most divisive films Ever, but and he's already is, made divisive films. Yeah, but this so. is
2: probably the least accessible thing he's ever done, I think. I just, just not for me.
0: Did you watch To the Wonder? Uh,
2: no, I do you know what, actually? I think we watched half of it, and then...
0: Wise move, wise and move. And
2: then um, binned it off. We watched all of Tree of Life, and even laughed at the dinosaurs. <laughs>
0: I thought Tree of Life was mostly a good film. I, I like Tree of Life. To the Wonder, though, is absolutely fucking bobbins but Um, but you've got ben
2: affleck i mean these people turn up and
0: well because it's exactly
2: yeah this i do you know what the amount of money and people in this i I really did find it offensive Mm. because it was just uh, god not to be that guy i think oh god what could they have done with the money they wasted on this but this really did make me think that and it was just so awful that's it i mean honestly that i've summed it up So succinctly, (laughs) if you want to go and see it, do it at your own peril. But you know, be warned, it ain't for everyone.
0: Most people who will see this film will know what to expect from it, Mm. I imagine. Well, here was the narration. Was the narration particularly
2: well, funnily enough, Christian Bauer was in full mumble. So you you have this beautiful shot of him walking across um, this sky scrapers and stuff in the background and I'm like what's he saying what's he saying it's <laughs> the centre channel working turn it up a bit and it was no
0: yeah just lots of images of two people having conversations with each other whilst not looking at each other yep. kind lots of staring into day.
2: middle distance yeah. Oh, yeah loads of that it really was You know, uh, like an 80s kind of music video <laughs> it's, it's just people just tilting their heads ever so slightly and. Lifting them, staring Mm. into middle distance, things going on in the background. I just, hey, as I've said many times on the show, maybe I'm just too thick to get it, but I didn't get it.
0: Terrence Malick has that effect on people, particularly me. Some of his films I really like, but when they're just like that...
2: Like Days of Heaven, or like Badlands. I mean, you know, it's not... Didn't really
0: like Days of Heaven, but Badlands is great.
2: Yeah, this ain't great.
1: There we are. Um, On next to the Danish... Girl, which stars Eddie Redmayne as uh, one of the first, or the first person to um, be the recipient of sex reassignment surgery. I I don't know if that's the correct term. That's what Wikipedia says. I'm going with it.
0: Well, we'll we'll just assume it's corrected. Yes. There's no point quibbling over semantics. We know what happens.
1: Yeah. Guess it chopped off.
0: (laughs) And turned inside out. Yeah. And and then put
1: into a storage auction where a hillbilly <laughs> buys it and puts it on the display in his shed it, it, after it's been mummified, I think. Yeah, that's I'm a documentary. Having, yeah, maybe I'm having deja vu with something from it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I didn't see this, but others did. Um, so, I mean, I'll tell you why I didn't see it. It's obviously got a lot of hype because it's, it's been talked up as potentially... Either Oscar worthy or Oscar baiting. I've I've watched plenty of films, despite the image I might put across, but plenty of films, definitely subjects. This one just didn't interest me. I saw the trailer for it, and there's some biopics or some films, perhaps around a a similar subject or matter or topic, that I would think, yeah, I watched that. And this one just thought, I really don't want to watch it. I just don't.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And sometimes over those biopics that you know, just what type of film it's going to be. I think Diana, the other year, people knew exactly what Diana was going to be like and so avoided it. This one, The Danish Girl, I think people knew exactly what it was going to be. But, oh, it's got Eddie Redmayne in it, so we'll have to go and see it because he's obviously really good. Oh, Tom Hooper's a director. He did that really good, famous thing about King's Speech. It is just so trite and conventional and pretty bland to be honest it's really dull the the acting in it is I, I thought it was terrible acting I'll be honest I'm not a massive fan of Eddie Redmayne's anyway Um, I didn't think much of him in the theory of everything I know a lot of other people did I just thought he was doing an impression for most of the film rather than you know anything worthy of being declared best actor uh, particularly over people like last year when you had fucking JK Simmons and Michael Keaton acting their fucking asses off and then he waltzes in and anyway
2: okay i went to school in the 70s right i knew 29 other kids in my class who could do a joey deacon impression which was equally as good as anything in uh, that eddie redmayne could do
0: (laughs) yeah i just get the feeling that he's a little bit favor of the month danish girl in this is is just not good Like It's not the worst performance I've ever seen, but it's partly to do with the writing, partly to do with the directing, and partly to do with how all he seems to do for most of the film is just, just do that a little bit, kind of look a bit shy, like, oh, I'm a man pretending to be a woman kind of thing. And then, like, occasionally he'll get a bit teary. Or just, like, fucking smile directly into the camera. He does that about a million times in the film. Within five minutes, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it, and within like half of the film, I was just batting my head against the fucking wall, hoping it would end. It was just a tedious, humdrum, like like lowest, shitty, fucking
2: oscar-baiting drama that I've seen for ages. Well, I've been balls deep in trannies all week. All right. I've That's watched...
0: no surprise. Well, yeah. you know,
2: you know me. I, you know, I yeah. I like to experiment. I've I had this. I've been watching season two of Transparent, and I watched Tangerine. Okay, mm-hmm. Tangerine is ballsy, brassy, loud, brash, in your face, comedic, energetic, just fantastic. So, just a really in your face tranny comedy drama. All right, Transparent is again. Jeff uh, Jeffrey Tambor is absolutely brilliant with his struggles with with what's going on in his life and, and being an older person, having these transgender issues, fantastic television. This, this was a fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. It, 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 suddenly the guy puts a pair of stocks on, 10 minutes later he wants to have his meat and two veg chopped off. I'm sorry, but it was just ridiculous. If I'd taken my nan to see this, right, I would have been offended for my nan because it was so fluffy and light didn't address any of the issues. If I was dealing with these issues, I'd be flipping tables over this film because it is an abomination.
0: It just really makes light, not makes light of, but just doesn't have any awareness about what it's talking about, is what it it seems to me. But if they focus the film less on Eddie Redmayne, if this was a film about Alicia Vikander's character playing his wife, Mm -hmm. whose husband decides that He's not a he anymore. He's actually a she. And he needs to have he needs to be the first person to have a a sex sex change uh, for these reasons. And this is about how it affects her. That would have been a better film. I could deal with that. But as it's like not focused really on one or the other, it doesn't have any depth to their relationship. It's just she's quite an interesting person. You know, she has a more interesting story in this co- in this style of film, in this yeah. style of film, which is trying to be a romance film, I
2: mean, but tell it doesn't thing, deal with it. I just it's the just... other thing that really pissed me off was uh, we were at a gig in London um, a month or so ago, and there was a six foot tranny stood in front of us with a wonky wig, terrible makeup, and I stood next to him in the bar, and he went, "Point a lager, right?" <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. Okay, and bear in mind, this is 2015, okay? Tranny, terrible. So whenever this was set in the 1920s, within five minutes, Eddie Redmayne walks in, looking like he's just walked in off a movie set, which he had. It was so ridiculous. Everything about him looked perfect. They'd done the makeup there. Everything was so overproduced and perfect. It was just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I like my trannies in a wonky wig. (laughs) It's just this is not good. It was so far removed from real life; it was just ridiculous.
1: Anyway, should we move on to Joy? Let's... Yeah, the <laughs> second uh, biopic of sorts um, of this podcast. This is directed for David Russell, starring Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, and it's um, as I think a slightly fictionalized event, uh, or it was telling of um, Joy uh, Mangano who created invented a product called the Miracle Moth and made loads selling it on the likes of QVC in America, again another film that didn't have the most I suppose interesting subject matter I mean it's obviously a, an interesting story to an extent Um uh, woman who comes from not much, makes millions of you know whatever but it, it didn't seem to be that much of a, a an interesting idea for a, a film or a, but yeah, the, the people behind it um I Russell, Lawrence, De Niro, Cooper have all struck gold in the past so you kind of think, well let's give it a go but I wouldn't have said I was bored by it but it's just kind of it was just there, it just happened it just mm. existed and then finished I'm not really going to remember much about it I didn't particularly care about it I wasn't engrossed in it I wouldn't say it was, it was more, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I felt like I wasted two hours or so of my life.
0: They're in danger of becoming a modern version of Burton, um, Eleanor Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp. I aren't thought they?
1: you were going to
2: say Burton Ernie. Yeah. Burton Ernie. Oh, yeah.
0: But a more successful version. Is, yeah. Um, obviously not the same style of film, but just the the idea that they all work together all the time. They just create the same kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And it has a, a obviously obviously has a fan base because people keep going back and love it. But I it's
1: think... not it's not even the casting and the director picking, you know, cast. So it's just it's just just a bit pick someone a bit more interesting than somebody who made a mop and sold loads of them. Okay, she had problems in her life and things in her life that she had to overcome, and people didn't believe in her and all that kind of thing. But it's not that original. It's not that interesting. Doesn't matter how good Jennifer Lawrence is, Bradley Cooper is Robert Niro's, It's just not that interesting.
0: The apparently the 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 story that's in the film is very much different to the actual real life story. Well, that's
1: what that's what I've seen as well. But then you know, so so why why make it? You either you either do a, a fairly true to life version of what happened to this woman whether it's good, bad, interesting, boring, or you do a completely fictionalised um, film, and maybe you would take inspiration from this woman's story, but but you don't say that. You don't say, make it public, make a big deal. This is about the woman who made the miracle, Mark. You make just a separate film that's completely fictional. Either be true to her life or don't bother.
0: Well, the, yeah, that's the thing, I think, that with David O'Russell, he wanted to just make a he didn't want to make it specifically about this one person. What he wanted to do was make a film that was empowering for all women. Hence, like, Joy doesn't have a surname in this. It's not Joy, whatever her name is, who made the miracle mop. It's Joy, a woman called Joy. And that's it.
2: It's a load of shit. That thing that comes up at the start, they have like a, like a card that comes up just saying to all the inspirational women everywhere, especially this one. It's like, Really? A hmm. women, they don't need this film. They don't need this fucking moron going, uh, uh, making them out. To, to, you know, the, the, every woman on the planet is some poor downtrodden hoe who, you know, ev- and every man's a rapist. It's just a load of bollocks. The, the, this the film is shit. And
1: twenty years ago.
2: <laughs> of all the women have done all the amazing things they've done, this is the one that David O. Russell thought. Do you know what? This this tells the story. Some bird invents a mop. I don't get
1: it. Those are women he could have picked. Joan of Arc. Yeah. <laughs> she was a woman who'd done a lot of good things and probably a lot more interesting than some bird who mopped the floor at the time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that's what, what um, I was getting at, is that he's, he's decided that her story isn't enough, that her story isn't that good, so he's put other bits of other stories into joy.
1: Yeah, so pick pick someone whose story is worthy. Don't don't fictionalize and trivialize this woman's life by making up after what she did, or changing what she did. Oh, I bet she, what she wasn't that good. What, if, what, what she did was perfectly good. It's just not that interesting for a film. So do something different. Anyway, that's joy, <laughs> and that's nearly all for this week's failed critics podcast. Just got to recommend some stuff for you to watch in the week ahead. I think we've pretty much given making a uh, making a murder on um, Netflix as much plug as we can. So I'm going to go for Saturday night on Film Four at quarter past eleven, and that is the British horror film Dog Soldiers. It's a good choice. Thank you, uh, Owen. So as I mentioned near the
0: beginning of the podcast, uh, Amy, the documentary about Amy Winehouse, that is it's. Getting quite a lot of plaudits at the minute. It's on Channel 4 on Friday at 9pm. So um, we'll all have a chance to to watch it now, Uh, even though it did get quite a wide distribution at cinemas for for a a, a documentary. But yeah, so it's coming on to Channel 4 at 9pm, Friday.
2: And Paul? Um, I'm going to quickly touch upon a film. I think I might have mentioned it here before, but it's really hard to find here until now. It's called Clean Flicks. Um, a guy I know, Josh Legary made this film, oh, gosh, probably 10 years ago now, I should think. Um, and it's about Mormons um, who are not allowed to watch R-rated films because of the language, the sex, the violence. And a whole industry springs up, which cuts all of these things out of the films. And this whole kind of chain of video stores spring up and Hollywood they ain't happy they, they ain't happy about this at all And the directors all kick off because these guys in workshops are cutting their films for a new audience and you can now watch it on vimeo uh, on demand for three dollars um so yeah absolutely check it out it's really interesting and if you love film you're gonna love this
0: talking of renting films online i paid to rent slow west mm-hmm. and then two days later it fucking pops up on
1: netflix <laughs> Uh, That happens so often. That is really infuriating. Anyway, uh, that is all for this week's Failed Critics podcast. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed our first one of 2016. Next week, um, me and Owen will be joined by who, Owen? Uh, We'll be joined by Matt Lamborn Uh, to review The Hate Plate. Yes, we take a look at Tarantino's latest offering.
0: And the Golden Globe winners, of course. People Uh, will be um, picking up
1: the first major awards. Yes, so we might be getting our first insights into Oscar gold.
0: The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Right, shall we make a start then? Yes, please.
1: Yeah, it's only 20 past nine. Probably best, though. (laughs) Right, so everyone's ready, yeah? Yep. I believe so. Yeah, good. Welcome to this week's Fail Critics Podcast, the first one of 2016. Hope we've all enjoyed our Christmas break and not um, got up to too much mischief over New Year. Um, Owen, I listened to the end of year special, found out a couple of things we, oh, yeah? not, not, that we need to talk about. One was that uh, you didn't like my last quiz. <laughs> was that not obvious at the time? I, Is that a surprise I, I, to you? I can't remember that far back. And two, you you liked Star Wars.
0: It was okay, yeah. It didn't make my top ten that I sent in, but um, yeah, it was alright. It was just an entertaining blockbustery thing. There we go. Mm. Um, I did listen to your Star Wars podcast as well, and I have a uh, that was surprising to me because you didn't shut up. I've never heard you talk so much in like never mind one podcast, but over the entire year's worth of podcasts, I don't think you talked as much as you did on that one. It was shocking. Where did that come from? Don't know, but I'm good, than
1: I. When you get going. I'm good. I just had to keep Paul quiet. I had to keep Paul quiet because he's rubbish.
0: I was going to say, it's probably to do with the uh, the company
1: we've got oh, on that podcast yeah. and this one. Yeah. But um, anyway, <laughs> on to the, the main focus. Obviously, in this podcast, we're back to our, our usual format. And we're going to be reviewing new releases such as the Danish Girl Joy, and King of Cups, I believe, as well. And we Knight forget, of Cups, I think it Knight is. Knight of Cups. You've put King of Cups in the in the... In the agenda. Yeah, I couldn't
0: remember what it was called when so I was this, sending this, the email. This is your
1: fault because it's, it's, all... it's not showing near me and I've not heard of it. So.
0: Oh, God, we're starting <laughs> as
1: shambolic as we ever did. Well, yeah, then we've got what we've been watching before that. we got some news and a quiz. Hopefully my quiz will be better than last time because I'm tuned mm-hmm. it up. and if I win I get to make Owen watch Columbo again, I expect.
0: Oh, God, please don't.
1: I, don't, I haven't even thought of what I'm going to make you watch. I might have to reveal that at the end. Okay. Uh, but anyway seeing as we're reviewing joy which is a, a biopic or biopic whichever way you want to pronounce it i've got the names of some biopics and you've got to tell me who they're about or the main focus because some see about more than one person but the main focus which person is the main focus of the biopic so if i was to say for example gandhi you would say gandhi
2: wait steve yeah are you going to introduce me after the quiz
1: no. <laughs>
2: He's shambolic as ever.
1: Evening, guys. Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> new New Year, new new start. Oh, chat shit, get banged. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, crack on Should
0: Steve. we just do Should we just do this again? This has gone completely. Yeah, let's, just, let's just start, just start no, again. this is brilliant. No, this just... is not going to be brilliant for people listening. We're going do... to start again.
1: Let's do it again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. I haven't done this for a while. I've got to remember how to do it. Yeah, give you two weeks off and this is what happens. Is my alcohol riddled brain. <laughs> I'm rum addled. Right. We go again. This, yes. does not, this does not slip now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands.